This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I'm Ray Harkins, and you are listening to an episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast, but you know that already. I don't know why I need to remind you that you're listening to this show that you specifically downloaded because, you know, really, people don't trip across this show on accident. And if you did by accident, I'm glad that I could read for you. <laughs> I, don't know, I just feel like the uh, the redundancy of setting up the show. But, you know, I, I understand because this thing has existed for four plus years and I've done hundreds and hundreds of episodes. And uh, sometimes uh, you get in a little routine. So uh, that's what I, I'm trying to break in some capacity for those of you that listen to a week to week basis. I want to make sure it's a little uh, fresh for you. So it's not just like, oh, OK, here we go. Here's the same thing over and over and over and over. But for those of you that are joining us for the first time, I speak to people in and around the independent music scene, and uh, we, get, we get to the real of it. We get to the heart of why they care about what they do, why they've been involved in music the way that they have been, and all that fun stuff. And what I like to set this up as is uh, it's basically like a dessert for the people that do interviews and are very used to doing interviews and talking about their band and their music and their record label or whatever it is that they're speaking about. And so I want this to be kind of a, a, a nice change of pace for them. So... With that being said, the guest this week is Mr. John Pettibone. He is the vocalist for Undertow, Himsa, Eris, The Vows. Basically, the dude is a, a renaissance man within the context of punk and hardcore, and is a lifer. Like, there's no other way you can potentially describe him because he has been involved with this ever since a very early age. And I was very excited to speak with him because, uh, in a odd well, it would not odd, but just how cool and small the world is. So, uh, my old band, Taken, we toured a lot, and we had one of our friends, Leah, who came out the road with us, and she did merch for us, and she basically was just a great person to have around. She ended up marrying John, and it was just a great, two great people meeting and falling in love, and then now they have a child and all that sort of stuff. So, I was very, very happy to have John on the show. And the reason I'm telling you all this, because uh, it's just fun to be able to look at your life within this particular scene and music and see how all these people bounce off of one another in positive and negative ways, and uh, hopefully positive. (laughs) And this is a shining example of that, where it's like, oh, wow, two people I've met in completely different contexts are now married. Wow, that's amazing. So uh, John actually had me over to his house when I was traveling in Seattle uh, about a month and a half or so ago. I can't remember exactly, but we had a a very fun conversation. It was a little chaotic at times because, uh, you know, his young child... I want to say three years old, was very interested in what we were doing, and he actually makes a guest appearance <laughs> at one part of the show, and I'll leave it in there for posterity's sake because it's a cute thing, uh, rather than worrying about the professional sheen that the show has, which, I mean, let's be honest, the show's not that professional, but, and then at one point, also their roommate, and also another old friend who I hadn't seen in quite some time, uh, the vocalist for a band called Trap Them. His name is Ryan. He actually uh, was trying to go up his stairs and tripped over a gate uh, that was trying to protect a uh, dog from going up the stairs. Anyways, just funniness happened. So I'm leaving most of that in there um, just because I think it's uh, it's charming and it kind of gives you a setting of the mood that we were in. So there's that. Um, what other stuff do I want to talk to you about? Not, not much. Basically, just encouraging you to spread the word of this show. Uh, there's only one way that this show gets bigger, and that's if you, the listener, say, hey, this is uh, this is cool. I need to tell my best friend about it. I need to tell social media about it, all that other stuff. So, Because the show's reached a uh, comfortable, very, very comfortable, mind you, plateau of where it's like, all right, I'm, I'm solid. Like, I haven't seen any huge swings on downloads, and that's completely, completely fine. So... But I would like to get, you know, keep those numbers creeping up because as you can tell, we've been having a lot of sponsors and I'm very excited about keeping that continuing trend rolling. So anyways, here is my discussion with John and uh, oh yeah, I'm in Washington, D.C. How about that, right? So I'm on vacation right now, but I am still dedicated to bringing you an episode a week for this fun little project, endeavor, business, whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, so I'm tooling around dc with my family and it's super 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 fun so here it is and i will speak to you uh, after the show is over
Houses on Fire. Oh, yeah. And I think my intro line to you was like, hey, my band was named after one of your songs. And I felt it was funny because it was like, it was so like, uh, I was just like, I don't know any other way to like go about this. Not like it would have ever popped up on your radar because uh-huh. Taken is clearly like, oh, just a word. But for years I thought, I'm like, I wonder if that band was named after us. Totally. That's funny. That honestly would be really cool. Right. <laughs> and I just remember it was so we were just racking our brains for like a name and then it was like looking on the back of records and then then yeah, then we found yours and it was like, Oh, this is yeah, taken because every good name is taken. Yeah. It was like there you go. it worked together. Perfect. But is it, it I presume it's really interesting for you to obviously have just because you've been involved in music for so long that people uh you know are are viewing you through a prism of just like Oh, dude, like, you know, John Pettibone, the legend, like the, that, that sort of, and not like sort of idol worship, but just the idea of like, oh, like you've done a lot where it's like, you know, you feel like, oh, I'm just some dude and that just can't stop. Right. <laughs> you know, like, what are you trying to do? <laughs> I trip up the stairs. Yeah. The Busted face. That's Ryan McKinney, everyone. Yes, exactly. This is trying to get over a child protection door (laughs) into his closet that we make him live in upstairs. That's perfect. You keep Uh, Ryan from Trap Them. If you didn't know, you keep keep aging hardcore superstars in the the basement or in the the attic. That's my retirement plan. That's perfect. Keep them in the attic. Send them out on tour. They got to come back. Pay the rent, right? (laughs) That's amazing. But yeah, so yeah, the, the people like. You know, put, not not even so much like placing uh, importance, but just like viewing you through this prism of just like, oh yeah, dude, like mainstay. It's real humbling, yeah. Um, especially after all these years, um, like for you and meeting you, and it, it was a subject of undertow, right? And you know, most of the time now, I get um, kids or people referring to me from Himsa, sure. But when it comes to undertow, it, it's there's a little bit more spark when it comes to F like joy because it was such a long time ago and um for me it's just uh i can't quit i can't stop playing in bands um it's just um still such a passion um and you know as we get older we start going through our record collections and you know thinning the herd of of what is in our life and um what's truly meaningful and uh you know getting rid of the toy collection and sure. this, that and the other. But um, it's it's just something that um, I never wanted to stop doing. I just want to continually play music up until a point where, you know, maybe my child's in his teenage years and if right. he's into it, that's awesome. Sure. If he's not, oh, well, and then I'll stop playing. <laughs> right, exactly. You're like, well, that, that and I'll be that. 60. So. <laughs> right. Has your, uh, just speaking of your son, yeah. has he watched you play? He hasn't. Okay. Um, I'm thinking uh, Hims is doing a, um, I don't want to say a reunion. It's just we're going to play a show. Right, play a show, um, yeah. And uh, this October, and I'm hoping uh, Leah allows him to come to that one. That so, should be. Yeah, it'll it, be fun. It is a very, because uh, I, I took my son to like, because Taken did a show, uh, it was last year. And mm-hmm. so he was, he was old enough where I felt like he wasn't going to be terrified of it, mm-hmm. you know? Because like, no one wants to watch, like, here's a person I love, like, making a fool of themselves, <laughs> right. essentially. And so, yeah, it's a real... Mm-hmm humbling using your word where you're just like something I did in like high school or whatever, you know, at any age and being like, how is like my son is watching this doesn't make any sense, especially in the short lived periods of like, you know, hardcore and metal. Like exactly like this shouldn't be a thing that my son. Yeah. I mean, we, there's not, well, you know what, you know, I would say for our era, there is like a lifespan of being involved and there's not much, you know, that I've seen, of people that were involved in like the the early nineties and before, right. you know, there's that you know, there's a handful, there's a couple guys that sure. still playing bands, but aren't truly involved in trying to, you know, still get their friends bands to play here or putting friends records. But I think that's why our era is so special for, mm-hmm. uh, from the nineties that uh, people, uh, you know, took a lot of pride and, and, and joy once again of what they were doing and actually have it involved in their lives still. You know, right. Rob still playing in bands, opens a coffee shop. Dave Varellan still playing in bands. He's a fireman, Fire, you know, right. stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and this network of you doing podcasts and just with the technology of what's going on and things are allowed to be easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
contacts are, are a lot more um, uh, prevalent in in booking tours or you know doing something like this. Right. Uh, th- those formats are just so important, and it rings true of what we were really trying to do back then. Sure. You know, it, totally. It, it definitely has. <clears throat> we 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 took the blueprint from what we were shown of how to do things, and we actually stayed the course. Right. And, um, you know, for me, uh, you know, being straight edge, that was the the most important part of that. I'm still straight edge. And if it, if it wasn't for that moment where I'm like, Oh, this is what I am. This is what I want to be a part of. I wouldn't have any of what I have today. Right. I wouldn't have my family for sure. It's you know. and it's so it's so funny because like obviously the the notion of these these fleeting youth ideals mm-hmm. like most people obviously you know can't look back in their life and reach back to something that they've discovered when they were thirteen or fourteen that still holds that sort of you know really weighty meaning mm-hmm. and it's just so it's it really is inherent like I, I think very uh, endemic of our subculture that that exists. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, not everybody sticks with it, like, yeah. like you and I. But, yeah, right. <laughs> but, but it definitely. Maybe there's something wrong with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Maybe just the fact that we can't give up. Yeah, <laughs> no, we're still fighting the bullies. <laughs> the, um, <clears throat> but you, uh, you yourself, you were you were born and raised in San Francisco, correct? Uh, I mean, until like I was five. Sure. And then, um, but I presume you have like, yeah. you do, do you have any like real necessarily like memories of San Francisco? Oh, huge! Because I spent all my summers and winter vacations. Uh, back at my grandparents, the same town where my parents grew up, Pacifica, California. Got it. Which is a coastal town outside of San Francisco. Got and it. And so those those memories that you've asked um, are super important because I got into skateboarding then, which was my lead into music. Sure. And um, some of those, once I was in high school, 16, 17 years old, um, uh, my cousin Jason, who uh, was this up-and-coming surfer kid, uh, surfer pro he's the one that got me into skateboarding mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then um he got me into some music um but he would take me he was a year older than me so he had the car and we could go see shows and right. so uh we he took me to gilman you know huge and that's this is you know uh i want to say 86 87 um you know summer times and whatnot so yeah um seeing some of those early shows that because at that time uh doing going to shows here not to jump off track but it kind of pertains of course there wasn't like i'd gone to a handful of shows in the area but there was in all ages um this law that called the teen dance ordinance um that didn't allow all ages shows because you had to have so much insurance all this stuff so it was usually 18 and over at some kind of golf club sure <clears throat> excuse me or uh um, we'd travel across the water to this place called Bremerton, and then there was this amazing club called Natasha's Pavilion. Okay. I'd see shows there, sure. but nothing like really locally. Right, um, like centralized. I could see, yeah. The first show I went to, I had to travel to Spokane to see Black Flag, and I got in a mouth of trouble. Right. But I had to do it because <laughs> the Black Flag show in Seattle was 18 and over. So. Oh, right, right. Um, yeah, like but anyways, back, back to California, those summers were really important. Got um, it. You know, uh, with my cousin Jason and um, uh, yeah, he got me into skateboarding and then just opened up that world. Sure. And you're, um, you're what precipitated the move to Seattle? Like you're basically, cause I know your father, like you've mentioned in previous <clears throat> interviews, he was part of like the telecommunications cable yep. networks. Yep. Was that like the reason you guys moved to Seattle? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just for a simple job jobs. Uh, yeah. My dad and my uncle basically built a cable system that is in Snoqualmie Valley, which is about 30, 40 minutes East. Okay. Here, and so that's where I grew up, and it's completely different than what it is today. Sure, um, it's straight logging town. I mean, you want to talk like <laughs> River's Edge type stuff? Like, sure, that's what it was. And those, um, the 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 kids around there just were lost. Right, and there's <clears throat> nothing to do there. Right, it's sheer boredom takes over completely. Right, completely. And the um, I find it interesting the uh, the the notion that it's like because you've existed in this area obviously for such a long period of time, not only have you been able to watch like the city evolve, but obviously you've been able to um, watch the music scene evolve yeah. from like 
you know, essentially from the ground up from like a punk and hardcore independent music perspective. Um, the thing I always find interesting where it's just like, you know, whatever undertow obviously formed in the early nineties. And then, um, once the national spotlight started to exist in the, you know, around that same time, um, I presume there was no like sort of, I guess, kinship between those two scenes. Like that was already pretty separate from what the hardcore scene was doing or was there some crossover well um as far as hardcore and speaking like a brotherhood right um there was just a handful but i know greg anderson had like a toe in uh the punk scene of what was going on because of the shows they were playing and you know before brotherhood he had false liberty right with um vic that was the drummer mm-hmm. um and they were playing punk shows and punk houses and stuff like that. That was a little bit before I came into the picture. Oh, well, I didn't know them at that time. Sure. Um, but I was definitely going to shows um, that were, you know, I'd snuck into a couple shows that were, you know, age limit type things. Uh-huh. Um, but um, there, what's amazing about the Seattle scene then was everyone played together. Okay. Um, even Brotherhood. Because them being the only hardcore band, right. and really, at the time before meeting them, <clears throat> they were playing punk shows um, mm-hmm. and with bands like you know the Accused, right. just as a chaos. And then that's about the time I came in. Like I said, my first show was Black Flag, and that was '85. And then by '86, I was finding out about shows around the area, okay, outside of Seattle. So I was doing going to shows like that, and like. Um, <clears throat> Curl Mags came through when mm-hmm. Harley was singing, uh, like the Best Wishes tour, um, and then uh, you know stuff here and there. Seven mm-hmm. Seconds played this goth club that I would go to, sure, because I was a goth kid, of course. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but there were shows there. This place called the Underground, and so they did shows there. It's eighteen and over, but there was um, a girl that I was super into, and her brother was a bouncer there, so I could sneak in that way. That's pretty. You it gotta was. have your in. She didn't want anything to do with me, but she was my friend. So, um, sure. Uh, so I got into some shows that way. Um, but the, a lot of the bands just made a community for themselves because a lot of bands never toured up here. Portland had a huge Nazi scene. Uh-huh. So for bands to travel from San Francisco to Seattle really didn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, they could Unless they were... You know, the, I think the only reason Chromax made it up here was because they were on tour of Destruction, and at that time, you know, Destruction was huge, right? And so they were the support band on that. Um, uh, let's see, you know, Poison Idea would come up and play every once in a while, right? Um, you know, and no one came from the east out because there was I don't don't really think there were shows in Boise going on, right? Um, yeah, just because the same thing with the Nazi scene type things. Sure, um, so sure. the closest you would get was SF and Reno. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically probably where tours stopped. Right, exactly. They're like, I can't make the additional, you know, eight to ten hour drive up to there. To maybe get ten bucks. Right, now. exactly. Yeah, just, just sheer financial I mean, reasons. Our bands would do it. Of course. <laughs> yeah, we did it because we did But they didn't. <laughs> right. Because, like, wow, they're a little bit smarter than us. Right. <laughs> the, um, and so, like, you're, you, uh, I mean, you've described your, your childhood in other interviews in regards to, it was pretty idyllic in the sense of, like, you know, you were brothers, brothers and sisters, or are you only two? Younger sister, five. Okay. And um, she kind of <clears throat> loosely followed steps Okay, me. Um, I take her to shows. It's funny because my friends and I all had younger siblings that were at the same age, too. So uh, we'd, we'd bring them all to the shows. Sure. And, and so um, she's still around. We're actually going to a show tonight together. So Nice. Um, yeah, she's super involved. Likes a lot of the same music. Like, same music that I grew up on. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty fun. And so then your uh, your parents, as you obviously started, you were, I mean, like you mentioned, going to see Black Flag and you had a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, your parents must have been like, what are we going to do with John? Like, what are, what is he into? Or were they generally kind of like supportive because you were clearly passionate they're, about they're it? They were really supportive because all they really asked for was um, to make sure I did my schoolwork right. and do, do my chores. And I did it. I was always respectful. Um and they would kind of just let me. I mean, I had a curfew, and mm-hmm. I never passed that. My at that time, my dad, you know, dads were kind of scary. You Absolutely. Know? So my dad was like, "Do this, or you're in trouble." And right. So I was like, "Okay, I'll do it." Um, uh, so you know, me getting the skateboarding was was fine because actually I grew up playing basically every sport. And, okay. Um, played most of them up through high school. Okay. Um, and then. Skateboarding took over that, and I slowly started picking each sport out of my curriculum. Right, I you're to like, do. not kind of just stayed the course with um, 
soccer and some baseball because I was just trying to like go to college for free. Right. Uh, my, my parents, we didn't grow up with money. So, uh, um, I was just like, Oh, this, this can maybe be my gateway. And I was, I was pretty good at soccer and, um, played that for a lot of years. But then when I skateboarding and shows kind of took over my life. Of course. And by then I was just like, just consumed. Right. And, um, I was over high school culture and I was just ready to get out of there and sure. And, and move on. Hey, pardon the interruption, but I would like to tell you about one of our amazing partners, and that partner is Blue Apron. So here, before I tell you anything else, I want you to get free food. I will give you some free meals on me, actually technically on Blue Apron, but you get the gist. So go to blueapron.com backslash words, W-O-R-D-S, and you will be able to get free meals, three of them. So Blue Apron, what is it? What they do is they ship you amazing food to your house in this beautifully packaged ice laden box that you know obviously if it sits outside you want it to be cold and you don't want your food to go bad so they ship it to you and they have amazing food for a variety of different palates you know i personally am vegan so i do some substitutions on these uh meals as far as like you know no cheese no dairy that sort of stuff but they have amazing stuff so here i'm just gonna savor you with these things that they're offering in july so creamy shrimp shrimp fettuccine with sauteed green beans and spinach or sweet chili chicken with tinkerbell peppers tinkerbell peppers that sounds adorable green beans and jasmine rice and for me what i've been salivating over that i've had recently holy moly the brown butter gnocchi and gnocchi is so incredible and they just do such a good job with this stuff so seriously for less than $10 a meal, you can get this stuff shipped directly to your house. It takes you about 40 minutes to prepare. I've been having such a fun time doing it with my wife and my kid, and he's able to, you know, put the stuff in the bowl and then mix it up, and it's just a great bonding time for us. So like I said, go to blueapron.com slash words, W-O-R-D-S, and then you will be able to get three free meals on me. So blueapron.com backslash words. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. And plus, you'll love how it feels. All right, now on with the show. Um, did you start? Did you? Because um, for all intent and purposes, like Undertow was your first band that you actually had like touring experience with, correct? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. yep. There was. Um, I don't know you mentioned in some of your podcasts yeah. of, like your first band oh, was horrible. Abs- of course, mine was um, Point of Honor. Point of Honor. I yeah. like that. Um, two practices. Uh, we were two piece. <laughs> Couldn't find any more kids around us. I love it. Yeah, my buddy uh, Scott Keith, who I started going to a lot of my early shows with, um, uh-huh. it was just, uh, you know, oh, we wanted to be a band like Brotherhood. So um, That's amazing. Well, well, there's only two of us, and yeah. he grew up and in the Valley d- also. Did you, did you sing? Did you, uh, or I, I, you know, I don't know what I did. Right. <laughs> I think I was trying to play bass. Sure. But, um, you know, I didn't have a bass. This was Scott's dad's stuff. Right. And then... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. Give it, give it a whirl, right? And you're like, that was it. Yeah. Um, but Undertow was the first thing that actually did, stuff. right? And the, I mean, because of the, uh, not only obviously of the isolating nature of you being located in Seattle, but like there, you know, at that time too, there was such a, there really was no template beyond just the, you know, like you were mentioning, where it's like obviously the black flags, and like you could look at that and be like, oh, that, like I kind of know how to tour, but like yeah. you know, between you guys and Unbroken and a lot of those bands in the early '90s. Um, you know, I was, I'm still to this day amazed that you guys were able to accomplish so much with literally nothing. Same here. <laughs> like, really? I, I, I don't like just the, I mean, not, not even so much like, you know, whatever, all the old man talk of like, oh, we had to call people up on dialers and all that yeah. sort of, you know, typical story stuff. Yeah. But it's just like the, the, and then the fact that like there were good shows. Yeah. And like, that's, that's hard for me to even wrap my head around where it's yeah. like, you know, if you're playing you know, 94 in front of like, you know, 300 people in certain areas, yeah. like. That must have been weird to play those large shows. It was, and especially going like t- to the East Coast, right? And like just hearing the rumors of what shows were like there, uh-huh. and then actually being a part of it was insane, right? I mean, we started off like just you know uh, getting an MRR and finding ads in there of people that do shows in like Sioux Falls, Idaho, right. and um, <laughs> you know just the smallest places, and we're like, "Well, there's kids there. We got to go play. Let's sure. do it." Um, with Unbroken in like the San Diego scene, which became basically our kinship, and um, that was res- the responsible. Or sorry, that that entire uh, piece is from Seth Lindstrom, who was basically the fifth member of Undertow mm-hmm. before we really started doing a lot of stuff. Sure, um, any of those uh, bigger tours. Um, 
the uh, he was from San Diego, so he knew Rob and all those guys. So that was the connection. Once Seth got into the band, um, that was our connection to San Diego. And then we were like driving to California every couple months to play shows. Sure, you know, and it was awesome. It right. was so fun. The first one we did, um, my girlfriend at the time uh, drove us. Um, myself, we we took a car, her car, I think Ford Escort, and I had a like Toyota, and we put all the gear Amazing. in my truck. Someone sat with me, and then she drove the rest of the guys. And um, it, yeah, that was the first trip down. And then you know, we uh, who did we play with? Oh, those those shows were all with Jawbreaker. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah no big Jawbreaker deal. and Sam I am. It was the weirdest thing, you know. <laughs> totally. Uh, you know, after all these years, and then how big and influential that band got was just like, oh yeah, Undertow's first tour was with Jump. Yeah, Breaker. you're like that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't at all, but it did because <laughs> right for us playing in Seattle, it was that's all we did was play shows with punk and pop punk bands. Of course, because we were the only band. So going down there and playing those shows, it seemed normal to us. Yeah, no big deal. But then down there, right? You know, uh, it's it was a little weird because you know the hardcore kids down there are like, why are you playing these shows? We're like these. This is the band that said we could play shows with them. Totally. Um, this is a marriage. Unbroken, this is a marriage of convenience. Yeah, Unbroken maybe was just in their beginnings. I don't know if they were playing shows then yet. We had yet to meet them. Right. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, their first show was with us at Spanky's Cafe. Oh, okay. Rob could probably attest to that, but um, yeah. Um, and I think that is with that was the first show with Dave singing. Okay. Because um, I think they. Before we're practicing with uh, another friend, Brian. Sure, and sure. They got Dave, um, and so I think that was like with Strife and the typical, you know, SoCal, Southern California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the the, the um, you know, every band that's in Southern California playing the show, and then just add us. Of course, right? Just here's the <laughs> Seattle, here's the, here's the Seattle yeah. brethren. Yeah. Um, were you uh, kind of were you sort of the, the business person of the band? For like, not at all. Okay, because you that's I that the impression was that I always got from pretty much all the bands that you've played in was that like you were interested in obviously the business of the band, but you weren't yeah. the driving force behind it. No, uh, okay. Mark was. Okay, Mark always Mark booked the tours. Um, I think maybe I was. Some of the financial pieces of it. There might be other stories out there. Um, sure, <laughs> but uh, you know, I did what I could. Yeah. I mean, I've always been. You know, I, I I hate the singer that doesn't do anything. Sure, it drives me nuts. Yeah, I, I don't care of uh, what level of band you're in. You yeah. know, um, so it was always Mark, and then and uh, yeah. Mark was booked most of the tours. He sent out the letters, um, kept the contacts. Got it. I think by the time uh, the first U.S. tour was done, I think I started taking more of a role in mm-hmm. helping um, do some merch and this, that, and the other. Yeah, and, sure. Pick and up. And um, that by then, I started working loosely in some clubs around town. And, um, you know, I was booking shows here. Sure. Um, and just... So you, a, knew, yeah, you knew the process of yeah, that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, One, yeah. Once you get once that first U.S. tour was like um, finished, I came home and I was just like, ah, there's we can get bands to come up here more often. We don't need a VFW hall; they can play my my room because right. we would go to San Diego and play a garage, right? You know, and then and then we came home and we're like, we can do the same thing. Let's sure. just go find a PA and and put it you together. Know, put it together. You know, my parents have a garage; they can get to North Bend, but you know, yeah. kids will come out. Right, and you know, same with Ryan. And then when I moved into the city, um, I had this um, flat with a bunch of friends, and it's kind of reminiscent of this this room. And we just clear out the living room and right. do shows there. And we had struggle played. And, it's great. Um, I don't know, maybe kind of. Kind of Christ played once or something. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where that show but was. Ban- but. but bands played. You're, yeah. you're right, right. Yep. And then um, the uh, uh, one thread I wanted to pull on sure. what you were saying was the uh, you know the lore of when you hear that shows are going to be good. Like there's always that anticipation. Like oh, dude, Connecticut's going to kill it or whatever. Yeah. Do you remember one of those specific like uh, n- not even like uh, uh, maybe a particular show, but just like. What what areas were like? Okay, we promise that this show is going to be good. Syracuse. Like, okay, Syracuse was. Syracuse was like when we go play Southern California, right? So, but we by then we'd been to Southern California so many times, right? We knew the shows would be insane there, sure. You know, and we were playing with our friends, whatever, right? But going out there, we're uh, you know with Spark Marker or the tour that was unbroken, you uh-huh. know, Syracuse was awesome. Really, New Jersey was awesome. And, just, and like, dry, like getting out there, like you knew that those were going to be like 
you, you could highlight those. Yep. Okay. And instant friendships. You sure. know, that, that's what was great about our, uh, our scene. Mm-hmm. It still is. But then was just like the moment you met someone, there was a connection. And if you were coming out again, you knew you could be taken care of. Right. You know, um, New York was kind of, I don't, yeah, we played New York proper, uh, ABC, no Rio. Oh, yeah. We played like the weirdest shows. Of course. Like, um, Dude, Damien would know the band name instantly, but he played this weird band with a 70-year-old man on a saxophone. Okay. It was cool. Sure. Um, <clears throat> and then... Uh, Clearly stylistically right up yeah, your alley. <laughs> yeah. It's so strange. And, and um, what was fun with Undertow was like we would play the shows with the Stripes, the Earth Christ, the Mouthpiece, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we were more um, kinshipped with the bands of like... The, the gravity sure. uh, vibes and the abolition vibes. Totally. Um, that's because the, there was just... Undertow might have seemed as like this straight-edge hardcore man. Right. We were more of just... Uh, the, of being the community and, you know, uh, you know reach out your hand. I'll, you know, right. help it any way we can. Well, there, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting observation because there's definitely... There's... Um, just from an outsider's observation, there's not like, and I'm going to use this term and it's probably going to sound um, icky in some respects, but it's like there's less gloss on Undertow where it's like not like Unbroken or Outspoken or any of those bands had like some gloss on it, yeah. but it was like there was definitely uh, an element of like, yeah, you could get down with the, you know, the, the uh, butt flap punk bands like yeah. that, that could totally make sense, even though you were very politicized in one realm yeah. of like straight edge, but like it just, it seemed and like the, there was more of a kinship. It, 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 you're absolutely right. Yeah. And that was all four of us. Right. We would like, Oh, we're playing Syracuse with these bands and these bands. Oh, that's awesome. But right. in Southern Carolina, sorry, okay. South Carolina, uh-huh. we're playing with his heroes gone. And sure. so we're like, we can't wait till we get there. Right. In Florida. We're playing with bloodlet. You know, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. That's totally. what, like, that's what made it exciting. Well, it's funny too because I is <clears throat> actually a question I was going to pull on later, but like it. I mean, you always, for all the time that I've known you, you've always struck me. I mean, you're obviously you're very outgoing. Like you can strike conversations up with people. That's kind of what you've done your entire life. Um, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, and it's very reflective obviously of your musical journey as well, where it's just Mm -hmm. like none of your bands, they could all be classified as heavy and Mm -hmm. independently leaning, but like none of them sound alike and none of them sound, um, within the context of particular scenes. Like obviously with him, so it was, you know, you were metal, yeah. And you were playing to a crowd that maybe didn't have any idea what punk or hardcore was, but no. it seems like you thrive off that, mm-hmm. and like you Changing like minds, man, right? Yeah. And you like to be friends with a lot of people from a lot of different scenes. I do that don't necessarily te- technically commingle, yeah. And like that, I presume that's just something like you you actively seek that. I do. It just makes uh, life a little more exciting. Um, I like hearing people's stories and journeys. That's why I like podcasts, right, so much, right? You know, and I mean, you know, going on that, all the wrestling ones, the podcasts I listen to are mostly wrestling ones, and it's just from growing up and listening to the legends of wrestling and their stories and stuff, and it's such such a parallel to what we've gone through, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you know, listening to yours and Damien's, it's just I, I don't know, I'm I'm just I've always been engulfed in books, in movies, and, and maybe that comes on why I want to know about people's lives and right. whatnot and, and uh, how they got to where they are. Because um, I, I always find it so interesting how people, um, I mean, that's mostly due to youth in regards to like staying in your lane mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, it's like, you know, I, I just like you would feel comfortable going to, you know, whatever, some, you know, like a, a doom metal show and then going to, you know, a total like pop show or like an emo show, whatever. Yeah. Like those all sat in the same bank. Whereas like, I know a lot of our peers would be like, why, why are you into that weird stuff? Yeah. Like, and, and, and not to say that like they're missing out on experiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are, but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, but I just find it. So, um, it, it's just interesting when you see the people pushing up against those conventions yeah. and being like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm straight edge amongst non straight edge music yeah. scene or whatever. Yeah. You know, I just, I, uh, I've always wanted to be different. And I want it always to be stimulated. And putting those together went with, I mean, you know, over the years of my costume changing and sure. how I work and that's, that's a part of it because I, I get bored quite easily. Right. And I just, um, you know, you know, change it up. Play sure. the clown, you know, whatever. Right. If they laugh, they laugh. But 
um, at least they're interested. Sure. Totally. Um, and did you, did you have any sort of conventions in your own head in regards to like, uh, anything beyond just pursuing music? Like, do you know, do, were you like, Oh, I'm going to go to college because I can like, you know, I'll, I'll whatever, get an English degree or like, did you have any other sort of path? No. Uh, <laughs> I started college. Sure. Um, and, uh, I could have went to university, um, with, um, going in with soccer okay. but by then I was so over the sports element of things and just uh, it didn't ring true like I said before skateboarding and shows was my thing mm-hmm. Undertow played or did our first West Coast tour and I came back and I was like this is what I want to do I want to play in bands right. and travel and um, the girlfriend at the time <laughs> was uh, like hey ultimatum me and future and go to college and all this stuff and I was at then I'd gone to community college just because I thought, oh, at least I, at I, least I am ex- extending, um, you know, my education. But I, my head wasn't in it. Yeah. I mean, I was just dreaming of, you know, going on tour. Right. Your and, your body was present. Yeah. That's it. And I told her I was like, well, I, I choose the band. <laughs> that was. I think it was a great great choice. Yeah. Um, I was like that was that was a bit of fun conversation. Yeah. And uh, so that's that's what happened. And, right. Uh, you know, us four, we were like, all right, we're serious. Let's do this. And let's book a U.S. tour. And Spark Marker was about to go out. And we're like, well, let's go with them. And sure. Seven weeks. And it was just seven weeks of, like, pure, just ah, Like, it was, every day was amazing. You know, sure. meeting new people. And, uh, you know, once getting to the East Coast and hearing the stories and then seeing the stories and being in New York for the first time. This sure. is 93. Right. Just mind blown like in, in my life i grew up in a small little town you know You're like what am i doing you know, here like, yelling into a microphone exactly <laughs> so cool like walking around the, the it's funny stories but you know we, we had met this this friend that we finally met this kid freedom who mark had been in touch with about shows he did got the got us the abc no real show he's like well come a day early and we'll you know go walk around sightsee, yeah right. we'll sightsee but we're gonna do it a different way we're, we're gonna go see hardcore legends <laughs> so you know we're walking down the street and then all of a sudden harley is walking right by us and we're just like uh and he sees us and obviously we look like hardcore kids right and freedom's like yeah that's harley and we just and and we're just watching him walk by <laughs> this is just this like <laughs> godlike feature walking by us and he turns around and just grunts at us and we're just like oh no Harley hates us, you know, walk by. And then a couple weeks later, we run into Gavin Byrne. And it's just like, what? You know what? Those moments, you know, and it's, and he was so nice. He's like, oh, come, let's go get some food, you know? Sure. It's just like, stuff like that. And it was just like, oh, yeah. Those are the things, like, fuck the shows. Totally. Hang out with people. Right. The the shows are are all secondary to all these other experiences I'm collecting. The show is the thing that we have to do. That's why we came out here. Right. But, with it, you know, everything, the other 23 hours, you know, is just, you know, we're gonna, you know, take it all in and right, and, uh, collect these know, experiences, you know, find who we want. Hello, here's another awesome, awesome thing that I want to bring to you. Basically, I want to give you $20. Do you know how to get that $20? Well, first of all, do you like music? Oh, of course you do. So what I want you to do is download the free SeatGeek app. So hop on your phone, download it, type in SeatGeek, and then go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code words. And then when you buy your first ticket with SeatGeek, you will get a $20 rebate from them. I did this and it's awesome. So SeatGeek, for those of you that are just like, wait, I've heard of the name. I'm not exactly sure what they do. Basically, it is the best and easiest way to buy tickets for whatever it is you're looking for. So me personally, so Boney Vare, great, great musician. I absolutely adore what he does. He is playing a show in October at the Hollywood Bowl. I fire up the SeatGeek app, I see what's happening there, and I'm looking around for tickets, and then it's so cool, because what they do is they have it color-coded, where it's like, the green means an amazing offer, the red bubble means don't buy that, it's way too expensive, comparatively speaking, to all the other tickets available. And it's awesome, because it takes the guesswork out of it. You don't need to be like, am I paying too much money for this thing? SeatGeek does the work for you. It's absolutely awesome, and I could not endorse them more, so that's why I want to give you $20. So like I said, download the SeatGeek app, 
Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code into the promo code WORDS, W-O-R-D-S, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first purchase. Essentially, that could almost be like going to a free show if your show is $20, and that's incredible. So please, go do that. SeatGeek is awesome. They believe in independent music. That's why they're sponsoring the show. There you go. SeatGeek, I love it. You should too. Not fast forwarding, but basically concentrating on himsa. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was always very interesting because, like, uh, I mean, obviously, I was familiar with what you were doing already. But then, you know, it was really good friends with Jason Upright, who yeah. obviously managed you guys. Um, it was so interesting to watch the progression of the band because, I mean, like, obviously, you didn't sing for them originally, mm-hmm. and the uh, like, no one knew what to do with the band at that time. Everyone was just like, "What is this? I yeah. have no idea." Yeah. And then, obviously, like once you came in, um, it was it was more of a the peop- it was easier to digest. People yeah. understood what was happening. Yeah. Um, and you were able to, um, you know, you were, you were able to be a gateway to a lot of people not understanding, like I was referencing earlier, like between what punk and hardcore was. Mm-hmm. Like, is a lot of the feedback that you got from people um, kind of directly correlated to that? Like when you were playing in Himsa, like people were like, oh, wow, like because of this, I can now like get into all these other things. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Okay. And um, that was the whole, that, uh, really, I had moved to New York in 97. And both Mark and Ryan from Undertow had already moved and were living out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them went out to play in Shift because that band was starting to take off. Right. And they had lost a drummer at the time and they wanted a second guitar player. So those guys moved out. And, you know, those were, you know, my closest friends. And at that time, I kind of was, kind of went into this just like, uh, retraction of stuff that was going around here undertow broke up because no one else was doing anything and we're like you know what we're tired of being the weekend band for everyone to come out and do something we've shown you how to do this and you know there's nothing that's built up here you go we're not we're not you know changing your diaper anymore it's time for you guys to like step up and instantly we broke up and then all of a sudden like trial popped up and you know bots was there and then and like boom, boom 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 and i'm like Oh, breaking up was the best thing that could have ever happened to Seattle Hardcore. Sure. So much good stuff came out of it. So to jump back ahead, um, by 97, I was just over it here. Um, you know, I did Nine Iron Spitfire for a little while. Yep. That didn't end very well. And um, at my own fault. And um, I was just like, Ryan was just like, move to New York, man. We'll f- figure out something for you to do. I was like, cool. I moved to New York and uh, instantly. Uh, became guitar tech for sick of it all. Sure, with not a lick of guitar experience. So You're, my yeah, training pe- was petty bones a good me. hang. Oh man, and and you know I'd worked by then. I was work. I'd worked in clubs. There was a big all ages club called Rock Candy. By then, the uh, that law, the all ages law, had been turned over. So mm-hmm. now they could do all ages shows. I was stage managing at Rock Candy. So I was that experience behind me. And so sick of all, we're just looking for some cheap labor. And right. I was just like, hey, I'm willing to learn. If you show me how to do it, I can do it. Right. And, you know, it's Pete. He has two guitars. Simple. I was cracked. I didn't realize how big Sick of It All was in Europe. And that was my first tour was like Sick of It All in Belgium in front of thousands of people. Yeah. And I have to set up their backline, their rig stuff. And I'm just like. I have no idea yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. And so, but we made it through the show and they were like, no, you did a good job. And I didn't sleep the rest of that night because I was so nervous of just like, if I mess up, I mess up sick of it all. And I love sick of it all. Right. Like those, those guys were, have been always so nice to us through the years and whatnot. And then a quick rock candy before any of us were 21. Uh-huh. Rock candy was a bar at first. Sick of all came through with Sepultura when Sepultura was blowing up. Sure. Sick of all was main support. We couldn't get into the show. Sick of it all made the bouncers open the back doors of the stage so we could all watch. And from that moment on, I was like, I will... I mean, regardless, I've always loved their records. Sure. But I was, always had a respect. Oh, yeah. Because they did that for Because they watched so, out. Yep. And yeah. it was so awesome. So, to jump yeah. ahead, yeah. I was doing that. And so, I'm sitting in my bouncer. The, that band that you know when I was that opened 18, the door 19, for me. they opened the door for us they let us watch the show you know like New York hardcore man what the what right. am I doing I can't I can't let them down right so, right you know I you know uh, did the tour and um, at that time Ryan was playing in Ensign uh-huh. and uh, Ensign was on the tour and also Indecision was on the tour mm-hmm. and um, so I made good friends out of that but by the it was like a three week European tour at the end I'm like you guys I. You guys need someone that knows what they're doing. Like, sure. it's fine and whatnot. Their next tour is going to be Slayer. And I'm like, 
I'm, I'm, not, re- I'm not ready for this. You need a guitar player or someone that actually knows how what they're doing. I right. appreciate the experience. It was fun to be back on tour. Right. Um, whatnot. But that sparked my interest of like, I want to work for bands, but I don't. And at that time, you're not thinking tour manager. No. But Sigvall had a tour manager. So I'm watching what he does. And I'm like, I, I, you know what? what? I did. This is the same stuff I do at the club. Right. Babysitting. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, adults. <laughs> totally. Um, that's what I can do. So we go home and uh, Ensign was just like, you want to go on the road with us? And I'm like, yeah, I'll sell merch and tour manage. And that's what started all that. Got it. And, um, and I loved it. So I traveled the world with Ensign. Sure. And, uh, then I came home and um, Ensign toured for like two years straight. Basically it felt like right. um, we came back and moving to New York and then ended up living in New Jersey in 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I didn't stay there much. Oh, I was, yeah. I was on the road. So my stuff was in storage. At that time, Ryan was burnt out of uh, playing in the band, wanted to move home. Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me and was just like, I want to go home. And I'm like, all right, I'll go with you. And it was like winter, New Jersey winter, two feet of snow. We get a budget truck. And then my sister calls. Okay. This is funny because the last tour uh, Ensign was doing uh, the Buck Cherry record come out. So we're all about the Buck Cherry record. Sure. <laughs> My sister calls. I'm like, hey, I'm moving home. She's like, Buck Cherry's playing the Showbox in three nights. And Showbox is a club here. Local theater. Yeah. Show. And uh, she's like, yeah, they're playing here in, in three nights. And I'm like, Ryan, Buck Cherry's playing Showbox in three nights. He's like, let's get that truck. Yeah. We packed that truck so fast. And everyone was like, no, we want to have a going away party. We're like, nope, nope. See, like literally it was like, take a picture with everybody, jump in the truck. 50 hours. We drove straight to Seattle. 50 That's hours. amazing. Through Gotta make the show. Crazy snowstorms in Montana and stuff. Oh, man. And we didn't sleep. We just sure. went the whole way and... You're riding the Buck Cherry high, buck, man. Made the Buck Cherry show. <laughs> Great. So good. <laughs> Guilty pleasures. Yeah, moti- <laughs> the, the motivating factor. Exactly. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and, love it. And so the uh, and then and then once you're back, that's so, obviously... Yeah, so then I'm back. Sorry. I totally no, went fine. off thing. Oh, but, I love it. Um, so, uh... Um, while I was living in New York, I was listening to a crap ton of metal sure. because I'd moved away from Seattle and, and it's a bummer to say, but I was just over hardcore. And especially at that moment, it was like, Dave touched on it, I think a little bit, but also, um, uh, oh, there was a podcast I listened Oh, on, 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 um, uh, Larson's podcast. Sure. There was, you know, David talked that there was, you know, people that didn't like them, uh, because they were the new kids in the scene and this, that, and then, and, and that's what kind of Seattle was turning into. There was like a wedge between uh, factions sure. of you know the trial fans and the botch fans, and it sucked. That's terrible. and that was why I wanted to leave. Right, pretty much. I was just like, "Fuck this! This is what this is what wasn't what we started. What we try to build. We wanted to just have a community where other bands would come here and play, and right. you know, go from there. Sure. And um, you know, the fighting going on, all this stuff between friends and. It's just like fuck this. Like I moved to New York, where like you know when, there, I gotta, like, I when there's real my... beef, there's real beef. Totally know? right, right, right. So anyways, I was listening to a shit ton of metal, and another going back. Um, there was this guy, uh, Steve O'Malley, who isn't son. Yep, part of Southern Lord. He grew up with the the other guys in Undertow. They all went to high school together. Mm-hmm. Steve was our metal friend that hung out with us. So in the early '90s, he was in hugely into the mix uh, or the. Tape trading, oh, sure. tape trading, and for uh, like extreme metal and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he'd get us tapes of Emperor, oh and, yeah, you know Celtic Frost, all this other stuff. And so that was always there, sure. But by the time I hit New York, there was a record store there that was like just purely metal, and that's where I'd go spend my money. Right, the, like, the seeds had been just, planted, exactly. And, right, and um, I was listening to a crap ton of Entombed and Bowl Thrower and stuff. Right, and um, I. Was coming home and Strickler was just like, uh, I want to, I want to play in a metal band, right. and no inkling of Hempsey yet, right? What that would look yeah. like, right? Before I moved to New York, the guys were like Aaron Edge and Derek and all of them were like, Hey, we're starting this new band that has this weird concept, da 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 da. We want you to be in it, and I'm like, I'm moving to New York because I didn't tell them I was leaving. I was just going to pack up and go, right? And they're like, What? You're moving to New York? I'm like, Yeah, sorry. And then they got Christian in the band, so that, that's how that took off. I come home, Christian's out of the picture. They're starting to change their format of what they're playing. They have a couple different new members and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I met up with Brian, who was the guitar player at the time, uh, Brian Johnson. And he's like, hey, uh, do you want to play in a band? I was like, well, 
what are you playing? And Brian was in bands in the early Undertow days, a band Serenity, band Fight for Change, and they were, you know, like Undertow, sort of on the metal tip of stuff, mm-hmm. but he could really shred. And I okay. was like, dude, if you want to play some metal, I'm down because you are a good guitar player. And he's just like, well, this is what we've been writing. We want to keep the name because we already got, we are, you know, they already got their foot, their feet wet. They're sure. going. They've been on some tours and whatnot. They're with Revelation. And that was another thing, too, that clicked. I'm like, <laughs> I want to. I want to be on a record that's on red. Of course, right. That, Gotta have that star amazing. in the back. Yeah, and, and it took off from there. They, I came in, heard the songs. I'm like, this is kind of what I want to do. Right. But let's play faster. <laughs> you know, sure. like let's not be weird metal. Let's right. just play straight up thrash metal. Totally. And they took off. That's we got awesome. Kirby in the band. Um, Derek's the only original member. Right. Um, and then we had got a new. Uh, a uh, real metal drummer, this guy Tim, who actually had you know two kicks, of course, the old rack thing, and um, yeah, went from there and right, you know, recorded that first seven inch that came sure. out of Rev, and I was so excited. Of I, course, I you're like, I'm in a Rev band. Yes, I've got a Rev yeah. test press, the side by side seven inch. You know, there's the bird seven inch. Right, you know, there's the inside out seven inch, and then a fast the one. Right, yes, and then a few years later. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And then um, was like uh, you mentioned, obviously, some of the transitionary periods, like obviously between bands and like, you know, a lot of people uh, that have obviously dedicated their lives to music. There's difficulty with the idea of transition of just like the idea, like, you know, you are known as this person for this band. And then when that doesn't exist, like, where do you not only where do you find your worth? Like, oh, woe is me sort of stuff. but Just like. Well, how do I how do I fit into the real world? Yeah. I presume those are struggles that you've had in different junctures and different ways, or is it always no? Okay, no. I just you just next kind of chapter. Be, sure. Like, what am I going to do? I mean, there was a, there was a time where you know after Himsa, mm-hmm. I didn't play music for a little while, right? And and I was okay. I I was at that point in my life where it was like, well, I'm still going to go to shows. I'm still going to buy records. This and the other, um, you know, I don't need a band. There's a lot of work that goes into it. I'm working a lot, and when I work a lot, I like, you know, um, working in a music venue. It, it's you know, like every job you hate, you know, but the, I really love being around that atmosphere and just you Absolutely. know, um, that product of anything could happen at any time. It's not a desk job. It's nothing. It's not mundane. It's just you know, you know, it's that's that's a part of me is being in that live atmosphere, and mm-hmm. so. I didn't play for a little while and I got that itch. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe it does go back to what you were describing of like, not my worth, but like, what am I doing for this world? I'm doing nothing. Like I'm sitting and doing nothing. Sure. Um, And you know, playing in a band, it, for for me, you know, I'm not, none of my bands I set up to change the world, but I was for myself. It's just a satisfaction that, you know, Maybe if someone likes us, they'll strike a conversation with me, and then that's changing something. Sure. And even changing myself. Sure. Uh, and so Aaron Edge, who was in HIMSA, uh, he was just like, hey, let's do a Doom band. And I'm like, I love Doom. Sure. Why not? Haven't done that Haven't yet. Haven't done Doom yet. Why not? Let's do it. Um, and that's another thing. I never just wanted to duplicate things that I've done before. Avoid. Sure. Even when I did a that band, The Vows, with Rob and, right, and right. Chris and... Ram and Ryan, it was like, it wasn't like Undertow. It was mm. just a straight up hardcore band. And it was just like, yeah, no I, frills, want, I right. definitely want to do that. So I Am the Thorn started with me and Aaron, and it was just us, and it was just going to be a recording thing. And I thought that would be fine. And then I was like, nah, dude, I want to play live. I want to do this. And so we got our friend Joe and Jared to start playing, and that didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. But that transitioned to Eris, because sure. Eris was a band playing shows, and we were doing shows with them. And um, uh, one day I was at work and Justin, the drummer, walked in <clears throat> and uh, I was like, oh, what's going on with Eris? He's like, oh, we just lost our singer. Um, I don't know what we're going to do. I think we're just going to break up. I'm like, no, you guys can't break up. You're my favorite brand right now in town. Right. You guys are so great. And I loved what they were doing, too. Um, and those guys are all old ex you know, nineties dudes. Sure. Um, you know, been around Jordan Baker and pistols at dust charts, keep moving stuff like that. Totally. And so I was like, can I try out? And Justin just looks at me and we're like, <laughs> really? And I'm like, well, I'm not, I don't want to be that guy. Like, right. You know, like, can I have a tryout? You know, send me some songs. I'll write some lyrics. I'll come to a practice. Um, and we'll see how it goes. And it went really well. Right. And, uh, 
with this band, it's just all over the place. So it's it's great. It sure, yeah, you track everything your... I love, and uh, yeah, know. and anything heavy is 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 on limits, <laughs> yeah, so to speak, yeah. not off limits. Yeah, and it's 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 cool with Eris because um, it's so low key, and everyone's kind of on the same page, and no one no one's ready to like. We're going on our first tour at the end of the month um, with a couple of dates with Baroness in, mm-hmm. in Canada, and. For me, I'm excited. I'm like, oh, I get to go on the road again. It's the first time really being away from the family. Sure. That would be a strange experience. But um, for the rest of them, it's like brand new because some of them haven't been on tour. Like, right. Since tour. like 94. Right? right. And so they're just super <laughs> excited. And I don't want to be the guy that holds people back. Of course. Of stuff, but they all understand. And it's 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 a cool dynamic of just, eh, we'll do what we can. Everybody's adults. And yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It, that, and that, that, that's a huge difference. Where yeah. you're obviously the, the, the youth and optimism and all that, where you're just like, oh no, like we can do this yeah. at a reasonable pace. I can leave tomorrow. <laughs> Pick up and go. Totally. What I'm wearing is what I own. So right, right. Go. You're now like it's like, oh, I got to get dog sitter and got to, you know, make right. sure the family's taken care of. Flying Leah's mom. Sure, sure. Putting all the pieces together so that that, the Uh, the world runs smoothly. It takes a month of planning before even getting it. It does. That's that's all. okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so the the last thing I want to hit on was the the, uh, notion, like, obviously... As as people uh, that are involved in subculture for as long as we have mm-hmm. been, and like obviously once you know we start to bear children and mm-hmm. they exist, like there there's this weird um, uh, concept where obviously like because we're gonna look at what our kids are into, um, and we're gonna have uh, I, I would classify as a better understanding of whatever it is that they're into, mm-hmm. um, even if it's stuff like you know whatever. I, I I try to honestly predict like okay, what is what is my kid gonna bring home that I'm not gonna understand? Yeah, like they could they could come home wearing you know uh, a juggalo face paint, but I'll understand it. I'm yeah. like I know where that comes from. Yeah. Whereas like our parents, like once we started to bring home this stuff, they were just like, "What the shit is right, this?" Right. Right. So like you know where where does the idea of uh, of uh, I guess parenting for lack of a better term like in your head like you know how like you know raising your kid and like all that stuff sort of sit within the context of the foundation that you built your life on? I think it's just the acceptance mm-hmm. um, that my parents allowed me to do those things so so early on that I think and even with Leah because she has a similar uh, way of being raised. Sure. Um, it's just. Whatever he's into, you know, as long as he's not a Nazi or a Christian, like, sure. I'm pretty okay. You know, if he wants to dabble in that later down life, that's his choice, but... Totally. Um, <laughs> sorry. No, no, it's uh, fine. You, you um, call it like you see it, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, whatever he wants to do, however he grows up, who he likes, whatever. Sure, sure. And, and, and that's just, it stems from what we've come from. Right. Um, the accepting environment. Yes. Yeah, completely. Right. Completely. As long as I, you know... I've, it, it, it it's it's nice to hear like he goes to like this pre preschool type thing right twice a week and it's 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 like sometimes I'll get in the car and just a tear will will form because the teacher will be like your kid is so good at school and he's very respectful and right. he's pleased and thanks you and all that stuff and that's exactly how my parents raised me right um and you know if he's doing that at three and sure to me that just shows like. Maybe I am doing something right, you right. know. Like, and maybe that's part of my changing the world is just having, you know, my child grow up being respectful to other people, and you know, right. And you know, working in the in the uh, music industry and, and running a venue, um, like daily, it's a daily grind of what you see as humanity, and it's it's disgusting, you know. And sure, it the, proves the, the it, entitlement. It, it proves exactly, and it proves the point of what we've. What what we got into, how we got into it, and why we stuck with it. Sure, because we don't want to be a part of that world. Totally, you know. So. Yeah, it's like you, you, I. I mean, that, and that's what I found so uh, interesting. Obviously, about your experience too is the the fact that you, um, regardless of if you've played in bands or not, the like you said, the direct connection that you have with everything that is happening. Like clearly, you're seeing bands come through, and you're like, oh, that band's popular because they sold this place out, or yeah. like that band's not popular because they sold fifty tickets or whatever. Like you, you have got your pull, your your finger on the pulse without even necessarily like throwing yourself head first like yeah. you know um it, the the i'm sure the interesting experience of of seeing how uh, well i, I guess the, the, what i'm trying to ask you haven't become jaded like you don't strike me as a person that's been like um you know uh, everyone goes through their waves of it but you are uh, just as accepting of a you know 16 year old kid in a brand new hardcore band or whatever totally and, and i think that's rare very. Do you agree? Okay. Oh, yeah. Very. And wh- why is that for you? I, I was that kid once. Okay. You know? You just always reflect back on those. I do. I I remember 
the people that took me under their wing, Ron from Brotherhood. Mm. Um, and <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> we have a naked baby in here. <laughs> Johnny is naked. <laughs> Look at you, you silly. Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> We're at a serious point in the conversation. No, it's great. That's we're we're so we're, we're concluding. <laughs> Is that funny? Yeah. yeah. Do you like Daddy's music? Baba. That's what Daddy says, right? <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> um, what were we talking? About? No, but I think I, there's the jadedness, and I, I think um, there's there's that. Yeah. That that's like, not common. Like I was, yeah. People took me under the wing when they didn't have to, and um, just accepted me how I was and who I am even through all of my costumes and all this stuff it was me it was me just being me and right. um you know people didn't give a shit because I didn't give a shit and uh you know I saw brotherhood wrote a letter to Ron off the, the address on the demo and he wrote me back and that's how how I will always treat anyone yeah that's if what you've held on to le- yep if they send me a letter if they send me an email uh Instagram thing, I will always respond because I was that kid once right. just wanting to be inspired. Yeah. No, that's yeah. great. I mean, I, I just, I find that it's, it's, Thanks, it's, it's heartening. Sorry. I mean, it, it really is because it does like, it's, it's very, um, it's hard to care. It's yeah. easy to not care. It's easy to fall You're into some right. weird pattern of just like, Oh, like stuff's not as cool as what it was, but yeah. it's like, yeah. And you don't, I mean, I'm just glad that there are obviously yeah. people out there such as yourself, like waving the flag so high <clears throat> you, too, man. Like, you don't need For to sure. be that. You don't need to be that. No, you don't. There's, there, there's absolutely no reason. I don't care. I mean, I deal with bands egos daily right? and there's no reason for any of them to be like that because you know, they have fans. Yeah. You have a livelihood that most people dream about seeing right. the world, um, getting on stage for an hour and that's your job. And you can't respect them by coming out and saying hi. Yeah. You can't respect them charging a hundred dollars to for a VIP meet and greet. It's just bullshit, man. So right. you can make that extra money. Sure. Fucking lame. Right. Fucking lame. Totally. Uh, so yeah. It, it, in along that lines, Himsa was always the band. We, we we got to be known, and Jason Upright, I think, coined it. We were the no band because we said no to so many things. Sure. Because. That wasn't what we were in. Like, we're not about to yeah. do that. All the bands I played in, it's awesome because um, there was never any huge breakups of some kind. There was never, everyone was like, you know, a, a you know, it was a, t- a team effort and everyone was on the same plane of like, of what we were doing, what we were going to get done. And if it stops, it stops. It's cool. Right. I've remained friends with everybody that yeah. I've played music with. Sure. And um, hopefully that re- reflects on, um, person i am i guess right yeah 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 yeah. that it's not some like bridge burning thing where it's no. just like yeah petty bones the worst person ever it's just like oh yeah i mean it, 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 yeah, i'm sure there's people that say that, right? things like that. <laughs> <laughs> well i really appreciate you taking the time no, out of your I, uh, morning I, I, and this has been awesome good I'm so so excited, to be <laughs> I, I always like it when a person is obviously like uh excited about it like because yeah. this should this should be uh i mean if a person's in the middle of a press cycle it uh-huh. should be their dessert it should be something pleasant <laughs> As opposed to like, oh, how did you come up with your band name? Yeah. It's like, oh my God, kill yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah. Why do you want to talk about yourself? <laughs> oh, John. Wasn't that fun? It felt like you were just uh, pulling up right next to us, drinking a cup of coffee, because that's essentially what we were doing. So thank you very much to John, and thank you to my old friend and amazing girl all around, Leah, and uh, their son for uh, not really diving too much into our interview, because basically he was sitting at the door to the kitchen, just kind of watching us for a lot of it, which was so adorable, because my son is five, and he would be doing the same exact thing if he was in our presence. So anyways, thank you very much to John for traveling down memory lane, and uh, for them to welcome me in their home and break up their morning routine. (laughs) So uh, yeah, you, you are great the listener and i want you to support all the sponsors because like i said we've been getting a ton of traction recently on that and it's awesome and the only reason they're going to continue to engage with the show is if you the listener decide to dive in and try out these services trust me 
I have 100% veto power for bringing in these uh, sponsors. Like if it was something I didn't believe in, then you wouldn't be hearing about it. You're never going to hear about it because I wouldn't allow that on the airwaves and going into your head. So there is a reason that these exist. It's not just for making money purposes. It's also the fact that it's like, hey, a lot of this stuff is making your life easier. So please support the sponsors. And um, the music, as always, for this show is Lowercase Noises. You should find out about him immediately on the Google machine and type in Lowercase Noises and you'll be able to find all of his amazing music and uh, the show will continue to play it for the next year and then i might decide to change up the music like i always do every year just because it's fun and uh next week uh, i'm not gonna mention it because i'm still in the process of figuring that out i have a bunch of other cool guests lined up and um yeah that's what's happening so i'm going to go enjoy washington dc you're going to go about your day and drive around and go to the gym or do some work or whatever it is that you do but thank you for putting me in your ear holes i really appreciate it and until next week please be safe everybody you've been listening to the jabberjaw podcast network jabberjawmedia.com Shh.